Amen. I'm glad that the weather on the outside has no bearing on what happens on the inside. I'm thankful this morning that you made the trip to the house of the Lord. Welcome all of our guests with us as well as members alike. Turn with me please to the book of Exodus chapter number 8. Exodus chapter number 8. Now we have had some tremendous church throughout the month of February. And I commend each and every one of you for getting on board. You know, I've been in some revivals where it felt like I was starting over every Sunday. And those kind of revivals make you beat your head against the wall going, God, what's going on here? But this revival, if you've, been, if you've just been here 30, longer than 30 seconds, you realize there's just something moving in the atmosphere. It's not a man-made thing. And it's easy when you get behind it and you move with it. A couple of years ago, I was riding with a pastor. We, we were getting off the, the, the main highway interstate, taking an exit. And we were coming, turning left under the, over, uh, under the overpass. And he looked at me and he goes, Brother, I just ran out of gas. Well, I knew he wasn't asking me for money. I was the evangelist. I said, Brother, that's no problem. I'll push you right over there to that gas station. I mean, I don't know what I was thinking. I, I was married. I had nothing to prove. And I didn't, even, I didn't even stop to consider what the road was doing. But when I got out, I realized we were going uphill. And it's in the middle of the blazing summer. And I'm in a suit. And I'm fat. I mean, I got the whole deck stacked against me. And I, I said, brother, I, I, said, I wasn't thinking. I said, you just stay in there and steer. I got this. You better watch it when you say, I got this. That's a recipe for disaster. I got behind that, and it was an SUV. We're not talking about a Pinto. We're talking about an SUV here. And I started pushing with everything I had. And I have never come so close to having a heart attack in my entire life. I literally had to stop. I said, brother, hit the brake. And I went and sat in the front seat, and my heart felt like it was going to explode, and I was just practicing breathing like I was in labor or something. I was just sitting in the front seat. God help me. Jesus help me. I probably went 20 feet, 30 feet. But I got out again, and I started pushing. And thankfully, one of his church members had passed and saw me. And I'm so focused on what I'm doing that this gentleman comes up, and he just starts pushing with me. You know how easy, much easier it is to push something when you got a little help? It was seemingly effortless once you get somebody else on board. And that's what this revival is like. When everybody gets on board, if one could put a thousand to flight and two could put ten thousand, I just got a feeling that hell is trembling right now because there's a group of people in Webster, Texas that said we're going to see apostolic miracles, signs, and wonders. Spirit of God, if you're here today and you have never experienced what we're talking about, the power of God in your life, I want you to know today it is for you. 
I don't want you to leave without it. I'll do everything but beg. I don't beg. But I just want you to have what God wants you to have in your life today. Let's begin reading Exodus chapter number 8, verse number 9. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me, when shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses, that they may remain in the river only? And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, Be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from thee and from thy houses and from thy servants and from thy people. They shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. Focus with me on verse number 10. This is what the Lord has spoken to my heart yesterday. And he said, Tomorrow. I preached this morning, What's wrong? with right now what's wrong with right now would you lift your hands with me let's ask the lord to help us father we thank you for your word we thank you for your spirit we're thankful for every heart today i just know the spirit of god is moving in this place and you want to do a great work in our hearts lord let us open up our ears to hear what the spirit would say unto the church today we thank you in advance for what you're going to do in this house Why don't we clap our hands unto the Lord and give Him praise. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Lord bless you. You can be seated this morning. What's wrong with right now? The story of Israel is quite the remarkable story. They came to Egypt. Because of the famine. You know the story quite well, but I'll recap it this morning. They came. Joseph, they were restored to their brother. Joseph spoke to Pharaoh, and he said, why don't they go settle in Goshen? They could have provision. They could be taken care of. And it was a wonderful arrangement for Israel. They lived peacefully. They prospered. The hand of the Lord and the favor of God was upon Israel. But that Pharaoh died and Joseph died and there arose a new Pharaoh. And the Bible tells us that he felt threatened by Israel because they were outnumbered by them. They evidently could see that there was something unique and something special about these people. And so this new Pharaoh made them slaves. And now they entered into a time of bondage. They cried out to the Lord while in their bondage. And the Lord raised up over time a man named Moses. This man felt unqualified. In fact, because he killed uh, one of the Egyptians, he fled because people found out about it and he went to the back side of the wilderness but oftentimes it's in those places of seeming isolation when God speaks to us the most and he visited Moses he raised up Moses and said I'm going to deliver my people 
I'm going to couple you with Aaron because you feel unqualified. Aaron would be your mouthpiece. Thus these two went before Pharaoh. They went the first time, requested that they should go, that they could go and sacrifice in the wilderness for three days. And the, uh, Pharaoh said no. Thus all of the water in the rivers were turned to blood. But the second plague came, and that was where frogs appeared everywhere. Frogs in the houses, frogs in the bed, frogs in the food, frogs everywhere. And you would think, this is just my analytical mind here. If there were frogs in my house, now I don't mind frogs, that's not a big, that's not a big deal. But that's once every now and again when you come across them in the yard. I'm not sleeping with frogs. I'm not eating with frogs. And frogs are everywhere in their homes. And, and, and if there's frogs, then let's just, just break it down. There's warts. So you got frogs and you got warts. You got stuff happening in the home. There's frogs everywhere. I know my wife. If I was given the option, when do you want these frogs to leave? I don't even have to consult with my family. The answer would be right now. I'm tired of living in the mess. I'm tired of waking up in a situation that is beyond my control. I'm tired of living in an existence of pain and misery and confusion and questions and misunderstandings. So if I'm given the option, when do you want the problem to cease? When do you want me to pray and entreat God? Moses asked him, Pharaoh, when shall I entreat for thee and for thy servants and for thy people to destroy the frogs? In other words, he was saying, Pharaoh, when is enough enough? When are you ready for the problems to cease? When are you ready for a peace to come into your home? Surely Moses is looking at Pharaoh thinking that Pharaoh is fixing to say right now. But Pharaoh answered tomorrow. What's wrong, Pharaoh, with right now? Haven't you had enough? Haven't you lived in misery enough? Haven't you faced the questions and the criticism enough? Aren't you tired of being in your situation, Pharaoh? What's wrong with right now? I have seen so many people time and time again knowing what they were living in. Knowing that they were going home to face the nightmare. Knowing that they were going home to live through the pain and the misery and the misunderstanding. No, it wasn't frogs. But there's the things that are a whole lot, that bring a whole lot more heartache than frogs. There's things in life that bring a whole lot more misunderstanding than frogs. But I have watched those same people as the preacher was basically asking them, when is enough enough? When are you going to say, you know what, this is beyond my control? 
I'm ready for God to step in. I'm ready for the Spirit of God to move in my life. I'm ready to give everything to God, only to watch those same people say with their actions tomorrow. What's wrong with right now? Why do we look at a service and feel the Spirit of God tugging at our soul, and yet we say tomorrow? Maybe Pharaoh thought, you know what? It's not that bad. I can live in it one more night. I can deal with it one more day. And there are other people that think in their their own mind, you know what, it's not that bad. It's not that. I've been living with it this long. Why don't I just stay in it a little while longer? My question to you is if you're given the opportunity to have God take over, why wouldn't you be the first one in line saying, God, I'm tired of this chunk in my life. I'm tired of the the misunderstanding and the turmoil. I want a move of God right now. One of the greatest Liberties we have is the power of choice. Moses gave him the choice. Pharaoh, when do you want it? I fully believe if Pharaoh would have said right now, Moses would have raised those hands. He'd have asked God to do it, and God would have killed every frog except what was in the river. He put the choice in the hands of Pharaoh. If you don't realize where we have the greatest liberty because we get to choose. We get to choose. We make the choice. Either, you know the old saying, you made your bed, lay in it. I've heard that before. In other words, you made the choice. Now you got to deal with the consequences of the choice. You know why I'm fat for the landing? It's because I chose to eat my peanut M&M's and drink my Pepsi and eat my Pringles. Nobody made me do that. I chose that. Nobody made you come to church this morning. You chose it. And why in the world would you spend the time to get ready and to look good and come to the house of God and just leave looking good instead of leaving changed? If you come to the house of God... My friend, you might as well get what God has for you. You might as well get changed. You might as well get the Spirit of God in your life. You might as well come to an altar and say, God, I want you to be God of everything in my life today. I'm making a choice. Elijah in the book of 1 Kings 18 confronts the people and the prophets of Baal. And this is what he said in verse 21. How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. I I know a lot of people that this can apply to because they're stuck between two opinions. That halt, you know what a halt is? You look it up, you do the work. Halt is, is, is one that's, that's stuck, like a horse. Halt, halt, you're stuck. You're not making no progress. You're stuck between do I serve God or do I serve Baal, or, or that represents the world. Do I give it all to God or do I keep trying to do it all myself? 
Do I surrender everything to God or do I just keep walking through life with questions and and pain and frustration? Joshua said it like this when speaking to Israel. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. What he was trying to say is, hey, God's not going to make you do anything. But you have a choice in the matter. You have an opportunity to choose. Now, you got to live with that choice. You make choices, and then in turn, your choices make you. Nobody makes you do anything. But you have the power to choose. But there's a lot of people that are torn. They're torn between today and tomorrow. Let me tell you this. Tomorrow has prevented more people from living for God than Satan ever has. Do you realize? Think about this. The devil is one being. He's not an all-encompassing spirit that feels the atmosphere like God. God is everywhere. You could go across the world and God is there. You could go to the depths of the sea and God is there. But the devil is one being. That'd be like, let's just use a being, okay, myself. I'm not the devil, but I'm a being, okay? And if I tried to visit every single person on the face of the earth and speak a negative word into their mind, by the time I visited every person on the earth, the whole earth would have repopulated. There's that many people on the earth. So to say the devil is stopping me, that's probably not an accurate statement. Because I doubt seriously we have ever come in in contact with Satan himself. Now, there is spiritual wickedness in high places. There is demonic influence. There's all of that. But I'm talking about Satan. We give him way too much credit. He's just sitting back going, I didn't do it, but I'll take it. I didn't stop you from living for God, but I'll I'll take the credit for it. No. A lot of it is right here. What I'm going to choose to do today... Either I'm going to choose to live for God or I'm going to choose to go back and live the lifestyle that I've been living with my pain and my frustration and all of my questions in life. You see, I don't have tomorrow, but I do have today. I have right now to make a decision that I am going to let God be God of my life. Bible says in Proverbs 27 and 1, boast not thyself of tomorrow. For thou knowest not what today may bring forth. No man knows tomorrow. I'll never forget when I was about 16 years old, I was working with a friend of mine. He had a gutter business. And we were working in De Quincey, Louisiana. And it was on a Friday. We had a youth rally that night. And we were leaving De Quincey, heading towards Ragley, which this is gibberish to you but it's two small towns divided by highway 12 that runs between them and we were leaving we were leaving to quincy and on the right there was a big gully with a concrete uh barrier thing drainage ditch and in that ditch was this pickup truck and smoke just coming from the engine and nobody's around it and i thought to myself I told my friend, who's a little bit older than me, I said, man, we need to stop and go help this guy. Well, my buddy, he's que- he's got a queasy stomach. He can't handle anything. He said, tell you what, I'm going to turn around. You go over there. I'm going to stay on this side of the road, and I'll call 911. I said, okay. 
So by the time we turned around and we got over there to the car on the other side of the road, somebody else had pulled up. And I'm running across the road, and both me and this gentleman, it just rained, poured down rain. And so the ditch was full of water. And, and when we're coming down into the ditch to, to check on this truck, I see an arm floating on the top of the water and blood everywhere. And in my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, I'm trying to be a good Samaritan here, but I want this arm to be attached to something. I don't want to just come and reach for an arm. I'm not, that's why I'm not an EMT, a paramedic. I, I quit the first day on the job. And so I'm running to the arm and I, I run into the water and I grab this arm and up comes this 16-year-old boy who had evidently fallen asleep at the wheel. And you can see his pattern. He came across, he hit the trees and he tried to correct and went straight into that canal, smashed it. And so he's trying to, he's trying to get out of the truck but the engine smashed his legs against the back of the cab. And so he was too weak to get back in, so he fell out of the truck, and he was drowning in the water. And he threw his wallet in the back of the truck so people could pick it up and identify who he was. And when I picked him up out of this water, this has to be what they call a death scream. He just started screaming at the top, and his face was unrecognizable. And I'm standing in this water as a 16-year-old boy, holding another 16-year-old boy. And, and, and he's screaming for his life. And I'm thinking, oh, God. And we stayed there until the ambulance got there. And I remember driving back to that youth rally that night thinking, no man is guaranteed tomorrow. No man is guaranteed another day. And three days later, that young boy passed into eternity when the brain swelling started in his head. You see, don't tell yourself, I have tomorrow. You don't know that you have another service. You don't know that you have another opportunity. But what's wrong with right now? What's wrong with saying, God, I hear your voice calling me. I'm going to give you my all. I'm going to give you my everything. What's wrong with saying right now? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3, while it is said today, if you will hear my voice, harden not your heart. What, what, what he's saying is, hey, when you hear that distinct voice, everybody knows when God's dealing with them. Everybody knows when God's tugging at their heart. It's an unmistakable voice. It's an unmistakable feeling in your heart to know when the Spirit... You know what? I can watch people's faces. And I know who God is dealing with by watching their faces. You know when God is tugging at your soul. You know when God is speaking to your heart saying, don't put this off. Don't put this off. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. I remember there's a guy back home, and a friend of mine went and visited him. He's a sheep farmer, or he's a shepherd. He's a, a, a real-life shepherd. He raises sheep. Now, that's not very common over here. Overseas, it's common. But this is Starks, Louisiana, and he's a shepherd. And these, he went and visited him. And he started telling him about the sheep. He said, I want to show you something. All those sheep were out in that field. And this shepherd let out this, this, this certain sound, whatever he does. I'm a shepherd now. Don't hold me to it. 
But he said it was this weird yell. And he said immediately all the sheep turned and looked at him. All the sheep. And that sh- and they then went, went back to grazing. And then that shepherd said, now, you do it. This guy ain't the shepherd. He just stopped by. He said, I let out the same exact deal. I ain't doing it again for y'all laugh at me. He, he said, I let out the same exact deal. And none of the sheep, look, they just all went to grazing. Because the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And you know when God is dealing with you. You know when God has your number. And he's telling you, I want you to respond to me today. You see, when you hear that voice, don't say, you know what? Tomorrow, it's it's no big deal. There's always going to be another Wednesday. There's always going to be another Sunday. There's always going to be plenty of opportunity. You don't know when that opportunity is going to stop. I remember when I was a youth pastor, my pastor came up to me on a Sunday morning and said, I want you to come with me this afternoon, and uh, we're going to go pray for a, a lady. I said, okay. And we went to some apartments that were for the elderly. And the back story was that this, this lady who was in her 90s, I want to say 93, but I could be wrong. She was in her 90s. She had a granddaughter who lived for God, had been baptized in Jesus' name, received the Spirit of God by the evidence of speaking in tongues, who was sitting with her. This lady was raised, spent her whole life another denomination. And she began to talk to her about what the Bible says. Because let me just throw this out there. We're not going to be judged by denomination. We're going to be judged by whether or not our life lines up with this book right here, okay? There's there's two books in heaven. There's the Word of God and there's the Lamb's Book of Life, okay? If you live by this book, your name is going to be in the other. And so she talked to her and she said, I want, I want to be baptized and I want to receive the Holy Ghost. So my pastor, when we walk in there, literally this lady probably weighed 70 pounds, maybe 80 pounds. She was towards the end of life. She was bedridden. She could not move and had not moved for a long time. And when you looked at the hospital bed there in the living room, you saw just a little bundle of covers and a little head sticking up. I mean, she was just tiny as could be. Couldn't understand a word she said because she could barely speak. But when I say the glory of God visited that living room when we began to pray it's one of the few times where i literally felt like angels had come and visited us in that in that living room kind of like here a couple of nights a couple of weeks ago and and this lady we couldn't understand her when she was talking english so we had nothing to judge by whether when she was speaking in tongues but judging by the glory of god that that fell on her we believe the spirit of god filled her heart she said i got to be baptized so the only way to move her was a big swing with a hoist. And we loaded that little frail body up into that swing, and we filled up the bathtub. And my pastor knelt by the tub, and we winched her down in Jesus' name, and we winched her up in Jesus' name. And she died just a couple of weeks later. But she died full of the Spirit of God and saved because she said, you know what? I can't put this off. I don't know when I'm going to have another opportunity or I'm going to have another chance. And now I have an opportunity. You don't know what tomorrow holds, but what's wrong with right now? What's wrong with saying, you know what, God, I, 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 
I don't know what next week has, but I have an opportunity right here presented before me, and I can respond to God today. Let me tell you, some of you, many of you don't know my testimony. Some of you do, but I was raised in this. I'm fifth generation apostolic on my dad's side, second generation on my mom's side. This is all I know is this stuff. And when I was eight, about eight years old, the evangelist came and he put chairs all the way across the front. And he said, if you want something from God, you come sit in this chair and God is going to do it for you. Well, I'm eight years old. I'm just happy to be let out of the pew, okay? I run up to the chair and I jump in it. People pray for me, spit and slobber, and nothing happens. I jump up, go to the, go to the bathroom like, a, like everybody else. And my buddy's in there. And he said, man... I got the Holy Ghost tonight. Did you? And, and, and you know, I had a little competitive streak in me. I didn't want to be outdone. I didn't like losing. I, nobody likes losing. And I've said it here before. I was the kid in school that it didn't matter what grade I made. As long as I turned my test in first, I beat everybody. I won. And, and so I looked at him and I said, yeah, I got the Holy Ghost. I got the Holy Ghost. I didn't have a lick of Holy Ghost. God was nowhere near me. And I said, no, yeah, I got the Holy Ghost. And we go in, we go inside the church, and I'm thinking, no big deal. But somehow my mom hears it. She said, you got the Holy Ghost? She could tell. You're, you're lying. You got the Holy Ghost? Yes, ma'am, I got the Holy Ghost. Well, then Brother Allen, the pastor, starts walking by, and she says, Brother, go tell Brother Allen. I was like, okay. Brother Allen, I got the Holy Ghost. Praise God, Brother Tyler. So the next service, they call me up to get my certificate. And the whole way up to the platform, I'm thinking, this is not good. It's one thing just to be a liar. But then now you be lying about getting the Holy Ghost. So I get my piece of paper. And so I start living my life as an eight-year-old liar. It's okay to get away with some stuff at eight years old. You're expected to act like a heathen boy, you know. But, but as you get older... You're 9 and you're 10 and you're 11 and 12. You want to know why it took me so long to get the Holy Ghost? It's because I always told myself, you've always got another chance. You don't have to get in a rush today. It's not that big of a deal. And so I would justify it in my mind. And at 12 years old, I wanted to sing on the platform, so I started singing in the choir. And I was scared out of my mind because you had to have the Holy Ghost to get on the platform. And if God came back during a service and I'm the only one left on the platform, then it would be a dead giveaway. This guy was a liar. 12 years old and 13 years old and 14 years old. And now it's getting serious. Because now I'm getting into that age where I know that I, I'm lying here. I know that I'm living a lie. But I would come to the front, and I'm telling you, I was in a predicament. I was in a quandary because I was really seeking the Holy Ghost. But I didn't want to blow my cover and act too intense. So I had to convince people I just wanted a renewing of the Holy Ghost. And I would see people come up that didn't know anything about this. I mean, walk in for the first time, throw their hands up, and God would fill them with the Holy Ghost. And I'm getting mad. I'm like, I come three times a week. I'm here when I'm not even supposed to be here. And you're walking in for the first time, and you're getting the Holy Ghost? And it messed with my mind. And I would lay down at night, and I would cry and say, God, don't come back yet. 
because I don't have the Holy Ghost. I was going to church every time the doors were open. I looked like an apostolic. I did everything I was supposed to do. But the problem wasn't an outward problem. It was a problem that said, you know what, Tyler? You always think that you have more opportunities. You always think that you have another chance to get the Holy Ghost. And you you don't have a sense of urgency. I promise you, ma'am and sir, if you knew that today was your only chance, you would have an urgency about you. If you knew that this was it, I got one shot at this, you would have an urgency about you. Finally, at the age of 15 years old, I had to blow my cover, and I told my youth pastor, I said, gigs up. I don't have the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Ghost. And this is what he told me. He said, Tyler, I want you to quit thinking about tongues because you're stuck seeking tongues. We don't seek tongues. We seek God. And when God comes into your heart, the evidence that it's happened is you're going to speak in a language that nobody told you or taught you. He said, you're so hung up on tongues that you're missing out on God. He said, all I want you to do is praise God. I thought to myself, that's it? I spent all these years wearing my fat hat out, jumping and crying and pleading, and all you're going to tell me is praise God? He said, that's it. Praise God. You can be driving down your road. You can be at the, at the all. It don't matter. You just praise God. That was 1999. I was 15 years old. And I remember going to youth camp. And I had my, my arm around a friend of mine. And somebody came and prayed for him. Didn't even touch me, but I was just focusing on worshiping and praising God. But when I heard myself... I was speaking of the most beautiful language as God filled me with the Holy Ghost because I made up in my mind, I don't know when I'm going to have another opportunity. i got to do something about this right now. You see, you don't know when you're going to have that another opportunity. What's wrong with right now? Stand with me all over the building, please. The beauty of this whole story is that Pharaoh's delay didn't stop God from honoring his word. Even though Pharaoh said tomorrow, by the mercy of God, tomorrow came and God kept his word. And even though you and I have missed out time and time again on what God wanted to do in our life, the beauty of it is God will still move in your life. There's not a person in this building There's not a person in this building that can say that I responded to God every single time he called me. You want to know why? Because you're human. And your struggle is not an outward struggle. It's an inward struggle. How many times have I stood at a pulpit or at a pew and and in my own mind thinking, is he talking to me? No. No, I, I think he's talking to somebody else. This can't be about me. And we rationalize ourselves out of what God is wanting to do in our life. Let me just help you understand what rationalize means. It's to, it can be divided into two words. Rational lies. It's lies we tell ourselves to justify why we won't respond. Lies we tell ourselves to make us feel better. All the while we know God is saying, I'm talking to you. 
I'm talking to your neighbor. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to anybody that will listen. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will just open the door. All you have to do this morning is open the door. You don't have to figure out tomorrow. You don't have to figure out how it's all going to work out. You don't have to figure out when the problems are going to leave. You don't, that's, not, that's not your job. Your responsibility today is to say, God, I hear and I respond. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Please, nobody looking around. There is a sweet presence of God that has filled this sanctuary today. There are people from all walks of life in the building. There are people from all manners of backgrounds, some that are here for the first time, some that are here for the years and years and years. What matters today is that every single person, hear me, this is the, this is the most serious part of the service. I don't want anybody leaving. I want you to hear what I'm trying to say and what God's wanting to do. How long are you going to keep sitting in that situation? How long are you going to keep telling yourself things are going to turn around and things are going to get better? Why not say, God, I hear your voice right now. I want your spirit in my heart. I want your spirit in my life. God, I take my hands off of this because I can't make it any better. The only way it's going to get better is I give it to you. If you're here this morning, and I ask this quite often, but I I feel to do this again today. If you're here this morning, you say, Preacher, I hear you talking about the Holy Spirit of God or the Holy Ghost. I've never experienced the power of God in my life. I've never spoken in another language as the Spirit of God gives me the ability to do so. You're here, and nobody's looking around, but you hear, and you say, You know what? I've never had that before. Why don't you raise your hand in the air this morning? Nobody's looking around. I've never had that. I've never experienced that. Keep your hand up. That's beautiful. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. This is time to be honest with yourself and with God. I want that in my life. I've never experienced that in my life. Thank you so much. You can put your hand down. Nobody looking around. If you're here today, you say, Preacher, I'm tired of living in this situation. I'm tired of trying to fix it on my own. I'm tired of trying to do it through my own ability. And you want God. You want God to step in today. What's wrong with right now? Why don't you raise your hand? That should be every hand in the building this morning. That should be every hand in the building that says, I want God to be God today. I don't want to wait till tomorrow. I don't want to wait till next week. But I want God to step into my situation today. I want God to move today. If that's you this morning, I'm opening up these altars. I'm asking you, why don't you grab the hand of somebody next to you if you want to? Why don't everybody in the building make your way to an altar? Everybody in the building, as he begins to sing, why don't you step out of your pew and make your way to an altar this morning? I'm inviting every single person today. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm inviting every single person. This is your time. This is your opportunity. I'm not leaving this place the same way.